0: Good to be back. It was wonderful to walk where Davy Crockett walked and Colonel Travis and Jim Bowie. I tell you, that was. I bought me a cowboy hat, Jim. Where are you? At? And uh, so I can't wait to wear it one Sunday and show you. And uh, but God bless you. I wanted. To, I want to talk. I want to, to give you two sermons this morning, so you're going to get a lot for your money. Uh, And I want you to turn with me in your Bible to John 14, 27. And we're going to talk about the coronavirus. Mm. John 14, 27 says this, and I want you to remember this verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay? I don't want you to worry. Listen, in this country, whether you're aware, I'm going to give you some statistics. 45 million people get the flu each year in America. Almost 200,000 end up in the hospital because of it and between 15 and 16 and 60,000 die from the flu in our country every year. The odds of anybody having a serious episode with the coronavirus, I calculated based on the number of people who have had it in America so far, they've watched and everything treated is somewhere about so far 0.25% in China, it was 3%, Italy, 1%, and here about 0.25%. While one person has died, 200, you know, one day in America, 200 and almost 300 people die on our highways each day in America. So I want you to put all that in perspective. Now that the news media has whipped everybody in the country into a complete frenzy over, and we've done it before. All the way back with killer bees, Zika virus, and you name it. Dengue fever. And and, uh, every year is something that they literally whip the American people into an absolute frenzy over. So I want to give you some statistical perspective of this before uh, people go completely unhinged on this thing and let you know that we don't have to worry about that. Look, my peace is in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And by the way, we're talking about answered prayer today, and in talking about answered prayer today, I want to share something with you. I, I haven't confirmed it yet, but if it's true, it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, we're focused on the coronavirus, but uh, apparently this has been reported, and I will get confirmation of this, that uh, churches are being burned in India, that 200 churches were burned yesterday. And pastors killed, missionaries killed in India. And as you well know, Scott Huffman, his family are very involved in the work over there. There is persecution of Christians going on in India right now. So be aware of that. Pray for our brothers in harm's way. And as well as we pray for our troops. And uh, I'm thankful that the President is bringing our men home from Afghanistan. Praise the Lord. For that. Okay, I'm a year older, and that makes me a lot more wiser. Amen? So here we go. Then the last time you saw me preach, I'm, I'm a year older and much wiser. So, we're coming to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're talking about prayer. We're coming to the third in a series of messages on prayer. First, we talk about the need to pray, how to pray. And today we're talking about how to get prayer answered. That's very important. How, when you pray, do you know that you'll get the answer that you want? Well, we're not always going to get the answer we want. That's the first answer to that. But we've labored over that. And as I've said, it's one of the most neglected things in Christian living and in the church today is people having an active prayer life. It's right up there with evangelism, which is probably the other most important thing we don't do. And I've explained some of the basic information, how to pray. But let me tell you, I have by no means exhausted this subject. Because this is a large, large subject. You need to take your Bible. Study the prayers of Solomon. Study the prayers of David. Look at the Psalms. Open your Bible and begin to study this whole aspect and subject of prayer. Because I'm giving you only a glimmer of what's there. Prayer is a very deep and broad subject. I want you to understand something. First of all, we're talking about prayer here. Does God want to answer my prayers? Yes, All you have, that that question is answered in Matthew chapter 7. It says, God knows what you have need of before you ask Him. And it says, if you being evil, give to your children good things, how much more your Father in Heaven wants to give to His children good things. So yes, God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to bless you. God wants to be a part of your life. Then why am I not receiving the answer to my prayer? That's a good question. Here we go. Well, first of all, God may answer it positively in several ways. One, it may be wait. It may be that God hasn't answered your prayer positively. God is saying wait. The timing is not right. And the second reason is not only wait, but I'm going to answer it in a way that you don't perceive of. So God may positively answer your prayer, but it may be wait or in a way you don't know yet. But the first thing we need to ask any time we pray, is this in the will of God? 1 John five fourteen and 15 tells us very clearly that if we ask anything according to His will, He will answer it. But let's turn in, in James 5 here and let's read about prayer as we begin this morning. Beginning in verse 10 through verse 18. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and see the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of, of tender mercy. Skipping down to verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, he shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, but he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth, but a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. We're going to stay mainly in James this morning. In fact, we're going to look at several verses in James, and, here, and we're going to talk a lot about this text right here. But again, praying in the will of God, first is it' the will of God. You cannot nobody ever prays, and you shouldn't pray, God help me commit robbery." right? Why don't we pray that? Because we know it's wrong. We don't pray that because we know it's wrong. And other prayers, if you have a prayer like that, "Lord, should I do this thing? I know it's not right, but why would you pray that? But I've heard of people doing that. They pray, God, I know this is wrong, but... You know, you can't pray a prayer that's contrary to the Word of God and have it be in the will of God. So make sure that when you pray, it lines up with what the Word says. Amen? Amen. Lord, should I marry an unbeliever? No. Nope. Word of God says you shouldn't. You don't have to pray about that. See, we don't have to pray... If it's contrary to the Word of God, we don't have to pray that. Because you know it's not in the will of God. And don't pray and ask God to give it to you. You know, a group of people in the Old Testament prayed, the Israelites prayed, and God did answer their prayer, and He answered their prayer, and said He sent leanness to their soul. Plus, they received the result of their sin. So be careful. Don't pray... Out of the will of God. And that's the first thing to understanding the will of God in prayer. And many times, I've prayed thousands of times as a pastor. I've prayed, Lord, you say in your word this. And I'm praying according to what you say. And let me tell you something. God. That gets God's attention. If you want to pray better, get in the Word and understand His Word and learn His Word, memorize His Word. And when you pray, God may bring something to your remembrance. And you may be able to remind God, God, you said you'll provide my needs. I used to pray that in Bible college, when I, only, mainly when I got hungry. And, and if you know me, I get hungry a lot. So I prayed, Lord... You said that you'd supply my needs. And I told you some of the miraculous ways he did. One day I was depressed. I ran to the president's school and he prayed for me. And they put a, a $5 bill in a, in a slot with a happy birthday card in my box that day. And I, Burger King, here I came. <laughs> you know. So, folks, God will answer prayers. He will. According to His Word, along with that, why do you pray? What you pray? Look at uh, James four. We're in James. Look at James four three. Do you, what's the purpose? What's the motive of your heart in praying for this? Lord, let this be a success. where well, everybody think I'm a great person? That's that's not a prayer. For chapter four, verse three. You you ask, you receive not, because you ask what amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Are you asking amiss? You're asking selfishly? Is it your vanity, your selfish desires? Now listen, I ask the Lord all the time, heal my knees, but that's not selfish or vanity. I just want to be able to move around and do more for him as well as be able to walk well. But many times, if we ask, we may ask selfishly, Lord, I'd not sure like to have that boat or that car. Well, that's kind of selfish, isn't it? Well, we've got people in India dying of starvation. To pray to God, God, I want a Cadillac. I don't want to have to drive a Chevrolet. Hey, I drive Dodge products. What can I say? But you know what? What are you praying for? What's the reason behind your prayer? You know, I want more money. Well, do you need more money? You know, the only reason I'm not rich today is God do. It, it would just turn me. That's why I'm not a millionaire, brother. Yeah. Because God knows I'd just, I'd just run off and leave him. And, and I can't be trusted with those big riches. And, you know, sometimes we pray, we don't need what we pray for. We ask a miss. Just remember, if you ask a miss, if your heart is not right, then God will not answer your prayer. Another reason we don't get answered prayer, look in chapter 5, verse 16. We understood when we, we looked at that thing, how to pray. Confess your sins. What does it say in the Lord's Prayer when He was teaching them how to pray? Forgive others as what? Okay. Forgive others as you expect God to forgive you. Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. And look at this, this is a problem. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The reason this person is sick is because of sin in their life. And they need to pray and confess their faults. And have confession, a time of confession. And the reason sometimes we don't have an answer prayer is we've not done that. And we come and we confess our sins and we say, we get out and we say, Lord, forgive us, forgive me my sins, and, and you want to get up clean, right? And you get up and you're holding a grudge against Graham. I'm just using Graham. Can I use you? Okay. Or me or someone in the church. God bless you, Graham. Nobody holds a grudge against you. And and then you expect God to, to uh forgive you. And you're, you're not going to walk in the light. You're still walking in darkness. You just had confession of sins, and you're still walking in darkness. And God's not going to answer your prayers. Believe me. He will not answer the prayers of a person who lives like that. You have to let things go. It's a barrier to answered prayer. And look. 1 Peter 3 7. I hazard even bring this up. What does it say in 1 Peter 3 7? Well, he's going to put it up here in a minute. 1 Peter 3 7. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife, as the weaker vessels, being heirs together of the grace of life. That you're what? Whew. Along with that confession of sin, treat your wife right, lest your prayers be hindered. Well, I think about that every time I air in that area. You know, your, your, your relationships have to be right with each other and other people for, real, for God to really answer your prayers. If you really want to have power with God in prayer, you're going to have to keep those relationships right, your wife, others. People in the church, you can't hold things against people. And I've had some people do horrible things in my ministry. I, I had a, a bookkeeper in a church one time that stole thousands of dollars from the church. And, and I even had some, because of that, I had some times where I didn't get my, my pay wasn't full because we didn't have the money because he had stolen money. He came back later and confessed and asked my forgiveness. You know what I told him? I hugged him. I said, brother, I forgave you what I knew about. You say, well, that's awful, generous, pastor. Well, yeah. Look, I'm not going to let his sin hold me back. And when you don't let go of things that people have done to you, you're letting their sin hold you back. Why did Paul say for forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward the mark of the high calling of prize of the prize of Christ Jesus? Because you can't hold on to what they did to you and move forward in life. And this prayer thing is part of that. You want to get your prayers answered? Let go. Let go. Yeah, he came to my service many, many years later. I'll never forget it, on a early service on an Easter. And he was moving out of state to another state. And he said, before I left, I just had to come to you and, and beg your forgiveness for what I did. And I just smiled and hugged him and said, brother, I forgave you a long time ago. And I said, I even prayed for you, for your success. He couldn't believe it. He, in tears. And we had a great uniting. And he, he had, you know, and you know, he didn't, he suffered for that. He had a heart attack in his 40s. I mean, you know, he suffered for his sins. You know, God, God, you don't have to worry about it. Somebody does something to you, God will take care of it. If they're wrong, God will take care of it. You're not God. Who's the one that takes vengeance? God. You don't have to do that. You don't have to get back at anybody. You know, you know and, and by the way, brethren, it was put within my power because of what he had done to, get, to really destroy his life. And I said, no, we're, we're, we'll pass on that. That's when you really find out what kind of character you have. Do you have the character of Jesus? Are your sins confessed? Next thing is faith. Look in James chapter 1. We're in James again. James chapter 1, look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or many different temptations, various temptations. Verses 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. And then verses 5 through 7. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given you. In other words, you need wisdom? God will give it to you. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Folks, we've got to have faith. Hebrews 11 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. We know we have a big God, so when we pray, don't don't treat God small. Amen? God is a great and powerful God. Amen? Amen? Okay. He's not a little God. He's not unpowerful. God created the universe. He spoke the Word. And if He speaks the Word, folks, it's going to happen. But people today lack faith. As a matter of fact, the Son of God said, when he returns, shall he find faith on the earth. So apparently, there is a problem with faith today. There is a problem with faith today. People may have faith. You know, if people had faith, this country would not be in a tizzy over the coronavirus. We're in a tizzy. You know, you say, well, pastor, you might be the first one of the people to die. Well, I might be. Then I go home to be with Jesus. Amen. And if I am, I am. So what? I'm not going to sit around and worry about it. I'm not going to sit around and worry about it. Look, that, that's in God's hands. And, you know, but people like faith today. Faith. And, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is still God. He's still on the throne. He's everlasting, all-powerful. The God who holds the universe together by His Word. And then we come to God and we pray for something. Well, guys, God is not going to answer your prayer if you lack faith in Him. I've had God answer prayers, though. Sometimes I'd come to the end and say, Oh, God's just not going to do that for me. And, and then He does it. <laughs> How many of you have ever had that happen? You come to the end and you say, That just is not going to happen in our life. Boom, there it is. There it is. You know. And God says... Well, it is going to happen. But I just gave up. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment too. But faith, faith, faith. God said, let there be light and there was light. There's nothing meager in God. Faith, faith. I can't emphasize it enough. In Luke 18.1, he says, he wrote, that men ought always to pray. And not to faint. not give. And that word, faint, means to not give up. We don't say that today. So I don't say, Graham, you need to lead music and not faint. Amen. You'd think it was going to fall out on the floor or something. But the faint in the Old English meant don't give up. Don't lose heart and give up. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or give up. And then he goes on, Jesus does in, in Luke 18, and tells the story about a judge. And this judge, he didn't regard God or man. He didn't care about anybody except himself. And this lady came to him late one night, banging on his door and asking for something. Well, now, this judge didn't care about anybody, he didn't care about God. But she kept banging at the door, insisting he come. And the judge said he will answer. He said, I'm going to answer her request. He says, because she continually knocks. And I want her to stop knocking. I'm being, I'm paraphrasing. But he answered her request. Now here was a judge that didn't care about anybody, didn't care about her, didn't care about the situation. But if he answered in the point Jesus was making, if this unrighteous judge, this bad judge, answered the lady's request, What will God do for you? What will God do for you? Well, always to pray and not to faith. Faith. Faith, folks. Faith in God is what we need in prayer. You want to get prayer answered? Ask big things of God. God can do it. I prayed for some mighty big things in my life, and God answered every one of them. You know? And sometimes, I will say this, about unanswered prayer, sometimes God saved me by not answering the prayer (laughs) of faith. My wife knows this. Everybody loves my wife. She's right back there, Crystal. She's a lovely lady. She is the love of my life. I mean, I love her more today than I did the day I met her. But before her came along another little girl that I was sure God was going to lead me to marry. And I prayed, God, oh, let this happen. And God didn't. You know why? Because God wanted to save me from that woman. (laughs) And reward me with this one. Thank you, Lord. Now the day goes by, I don't give thanks to the Lord for that. But this story of the lady continually knocking the door tells us something else about prayer. Don't give up. Be persistent. Be patient. I can think of hundreds of stories. And I remember one when I was at First Baptist Church of West Hollywood. Excuse me. Grace Baptist Church of West Hollywood. I'm at First Baptist Church of China Grove. Excuse me. Okay. I get that right. I'm getting old. Where I was ordained and served my first place. There was a lady by the name of Miss Fariazzi, an Italian lady. And I remember the day her husband got saved. She'd been praying for 30 years for her husband to be saved. And he got saved there at first at Grace Baptist of West Hollywood. So, folks, sometimes God works miraculously, wonderfully. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Be persistent. Be patient. I'm still praying for my sister Barbara. Y'all pray for her. Y'all all pray for her today to be saved. Oh, let's just put the Holy Spirit on her today. Everybody pray for my one the one person in my family lost out of nine of us. And she needs prayer. Pray for her. Don't give up. Daniel's prayer. Daniel prayed, and it was held up by evil. Super, supernatural beings, yet God answered it for him. So have faith, don't give up, be persistent, be patient. These are all things that will help you in your prayer. Reminds me of a story, Dr. Charles, Dr. Charles, oh boy, I am getting off here. Charles had Spurgeon, the great preacher told. Had a prayer meeting, and a little boy came, he was about 12, and he had a younger sister, about 10. And when it came to prayer time, he raised his hand. He had a prayer. He said, Pastor, pray that my sister will get saved. Well, they did all their prayer requests and prayed. And as soon as they had prayed, the little boy started to slip out of the service. And the pastor stopped him and asked him, why are you leaving the service? He said, I've got to go home and check on my sister see if she's saved yet. <laughs> now... Folks, you might we might laugh at that and chuckle, but you know what? She did get saved. Not that day. But his faith. See, he believed that it was just good enough if they prayed for her to be saved, she would be saved. Wow, if we could have a little faith like that. Amen? Amen. A little faith like that. Last point, and we're gonna get there, but I know you thought we'll never get there, we will. The last point is just simply how to pray. How we pray. Well, I mentioned thankfulness. That's one thing. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and everything in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you ask something from God, it's nice to remind Him of all the things He's already given you. Lord, you did this for me, and this for me, and this for me, and I am so thankful. Thankful. And I'm so thankful that you saved me by your blood, by Jesus on the cross, by his death for my sins. I'm so glad that I know him as Savior. I'm so glad all that you've done for me in my life. You brought to me the right wife. Lord, you've done all these things for me. Thank you, Lord. And by the way, Lord, i got another request. Well, that doesn't hurt at all, does it? You think you can get God on your side that way? Oh, I think so. I think God likes to hear us be thankful. When your little child comes up to you and your grandchild, in my case now, sits on your lap and says, Poppy, thank you for this. Thank you for letting me watch my cartoons instead of you watching Perry Mason. (laughs) But, Poppy, I'd really like some candy. All right, how many how much do you want? <laughs> you know. And you know, the old the old dad gets amiable when you start reminding him of what he's done for you. Obedience, of course, is important. You know, God is so much more if we're obedient to him gonna wanna answer our prayer. You know, it's hard for him to answer our prayers if we're just not following him. Humility is important and it talks about that here in James 5. Let's look back at James 5. We're going to close there where we began. James chapter 5. And you look you look at verses 10 and 11 it leads us into that prayer thing it's talking really about humility. The humility of the Lord. Our Lord, it says he was his death was pitiful. Of no tender mercy. First he came to the garden and prayed, and he prayed tears of blood, and then he went to the cross and he prayed for those that were looking at him. Father, lay not this sin to their charge. They know not what they do. Forgive them. They know not what they do. His prayers. Humble. Humility. Helps us. When we see humble, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. We, pray, we say that all the time. Humble, humble, humble prayer. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know who I am and I know how great you are. Lord, in your presence, I'm humble. He mentions something else here about prayer. It says... Elijah was a, verse sixteen. Confess your faults one to another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's going to mention two words here: fervent and earnest. And it says he prayed earnestly in verse seventeen. Fervent and earnest. Let me explain what that is. Displaying passionate intensity, sincere, and then earnest means sincere with intense conviction. Do you get anything out of that that just says, Lord, uh, I need this, blah, 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 amen? No. Displaying passionate intensity, sincere with intense conviction. Read the prayers of the Bible. David said in Psalm 62, 80 in My Prayer, pour out your heart to God. Hebrews 5 7 and talking about Jesus praying, he said he cried tears intensely in prayer. Passionate. Prayers when you're sick to the point of death, that'll get you passionate. Passionate. Intensity. Intense prayers. Prayers that are sincere from your very heart and being and soul and Feelings. Deep seated in our very soul. You say, Pastor, explain that more. I'm not sure I can, except to say that those who prayed that way know what it means. They know what it means. It's 2 Samuel 15:30. and I'll leave you with this thought. And this is what I always think of of, of the life of David in prayer. David committed sin. Grievous sin. And God... Said you're going to suffer for it. You're going to see rebellion in your own household, and sure enough, uh, his son Absalom tried to take the kingdom from him. And David was driven out of Jerusalem with his his old soldiers, and some of the people followed followed him. And old David went up a, a mountain. He went through Kidron, which was a garbage dump, uh, to get away and. Went up a mountain, and he was going up the mountain, and they came to him and said, Your most trusted advisor has turned against you and is working with Absalom. Boy, when you have bad news, you get worse news. You know, he just had, that was a day of bad news for David. And he continued up the mountain, and I'll never forget this as I studied the life of David. He said, He began to cry. And the soldiers began to cry. And the people began to cry. And David prayed. Lord, bring the counsel of Hafil Adah- Adah- to naught. And the trusted counselor of David told Absalom what to do, and Absalom ignored him. God answered his prayer. That's. What I'm talking about. A deep, passionate, sincere prayer. God listens to those prayers. And folks, we individually and as a church, if we begin to pray like that, we've got a revival upcoming. We've got things on the, on the very horizon here. Great things can happen we got a Sunday next Sunday. I want you to bring... I'm preaching a sermon the day Christ died. I've never preached it that somebody didn't get saved. We, it could happen next Sunday, but I hope it doesn't. Bring visitors. Bring lost people with you. You say, it's a difficult Sunday. It's time, James. I know that. That means you're going to have to work hard. But folks, it can be done. Start praying. But pray intensely. What... Will God do if we pray fervently and intently, like it says here? Well, what happens? It says, Elijah was just like you and I. And he prayed it might not rain, and guess what? It didn't rain. He prayed earnestly, sincere with intense conviction. For three years it didn't rain. And then he prayed again, and it rained. A man just like us. So, folks, what can God do in prayer? We can get prayer answered. And the best thing I can tell you is the last part. You've got to have faith. You've got to have all that other stuff. But if you don't, in your heart, intensely ask for it, believe it, Pray for it with meaning. That's when the rubber meets the road, folks. That's when God can do great things. And I know He's going to do great things through First Baptist. I know He's going to do great things through you, this church, and in our lives. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Will you stand with me pray? Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you hear this morning, and one prayer God promises to always hear, and that's the prayer of someone who needs to be saved. If you hear and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you've never Pray that prayer, asking Him to save your soul. Right now is the time. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, You died for me on that cross. I'm going to trust You this morning to save my soul. If you're doing that this morning, you're just saying, Jesus, save me, would you raise your hand? And friend, if you do that, that's enough. He will. Raise your hand right where you are. I just want to pray for you. Anyone at all? God will answer your prayer. I can guarantee it. On the basis of God's Word. Anyone at all before we close. Lord, we thank You for this time together. We thank You for this time, Lord, in Your Word. And Lord, we thank You for prayer. It is a powerful, meaningful, wonderful gift You've given to us. Bless now this invitation. And Lord, the ending and the closing, thank you for letting us be here to worship you today. Thank you for Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen.